Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are new, I am Charlie, the lead pastor here, and really glad you are worshiping with us today. And if you are new, there's a few things you probably just need to be aware of. Um, I'm a huge Razorback basketball fan. And if something really awesome happens during that week, um, especially if it happens on Saturday, uh, the next day is Red Pants Day. So Red Pants, got the red shoes today. Number three, uh, the nation's going to come, and then we're going to send you home crying. Then it's going to be Red Pants. Red Pants the next day. So excited uh, about that. So you just, just, again, just, that way you can just know. If you don't keep up with sports, you can just know, hey, look, he's wearing red pants. Something good happened yesterday. Um, another thing that is important to know and I talk about this from time to time. Our family has, for quite a while, about 20 years now, we've been a Disney World family, and we really love it, and we don't, we don't, we don't go every year, but about every two and a half, three years, we'll go, and, and the word is out that we're pretty intense travel planners. This, again, some of you, of course, know this. Very intense, like we, we, we go there to win. We go there, we get there early. And we have very intense strategies where we're, we're working hard. It's not a it's not, it's not it's not a rest. It is a it is a conquering. It is a, it, we we conquer Disney World, and and we destroy all other visitors there by being the best at Disney World. It's kind of how we are, and we have really long days. But we'll ride. People's like, man, I was at Disney World, man. We only rode about, rode about three or four things a day, and I'm like, well, we rode three things before nine. And we wrote 20 things that day. So it's like that sort of thing. And as I, and as I kind of describe to people who are going or are interested in going, they'll ask me questions. And I love talking about it. And, you know, if you come here enough just on Sundays over the course of a couple of years, you'll get some good strategies. So I like to talk about it. But one of my favorite things that happens is um, when, 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 I, when I'm talking to them about it and they're like, man, you know, maybe be awesome. Maybe we could just go with you guys sometime. Or they're like, maybe we should just have you come with us. We could do it with. We could do it with you. And and I'm and I'm 100% open to it. Like right. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. And in my heart, I'm like, no, no. You 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 don't you don't mean it. You don't mean it because you don't you don't really know. Let me tell you what I mean. Our last trip that we went, the first park that we went to was Animal Kingdom, which is doesn't have as many rides, but by 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 square footage, by acreage, if you will, is far and away the biggest park. And because of when that park was opening and a particular ride that they have that can, can at some point get three, three and a half hour long lines, we had a very specific strategy that compelled us. We had to do this. We had to. We didn't have any choice. We had to be at the bus stop by about 5.50 a.m. in the morning to make sure that we could catch the right bus to get there on time to make sure we could be amongst the first people to get on this ride. So we're getting there, uh, we get at the bus again before 6 a.m., and we went all day. Maylee wasn't feeling well, my oldest, and, and Layla's young, and so the three of them went back and took a rest. But Lauren and I, we were there all day. And you know, if you have, you know, you have a little tracker on your phone, it'll tell you how many, 
how many steps you did or whatever that day. By the end of that day, Lauren and I had done 10.2 miles. That's how much we had walked on that day. And you think, don't insult me, bro. I could, you could do that. Yeah, 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 one day. But then when you go to sleep, exhausted, after having done 10 miles, you ready to set the alarm again the next day? You're doing it again, day two, you're ready to go. Then after day two, now your feet are sore, your legs are sore, and you're exhausted. You ready for day three? You ready for day three? Then day four rolls around. And day four is always Epcot day. Epcot is not the most kid-friendly of the parks, and so we kind of do that in the middle. You know, we don't, we're, not, we're not quite as hardcore on that day, but it's day four. And I have an expression I think my wife heard it for the first time this morning when I was uh, during the first service. I have an expression. I've kind of kept it to myself. We always fight at Epcot. We always do. We're exhausted. We're tired. And there's two people, at least two of us, are going to have words with each other. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. We're doing this. And for noth- over nothing, there will be some sort of fight or conflict at Epcot. But then after that, you've done four days. You've done it. You've made it through. You made it through the fighting, the bickering. You've gone to every park, and we did it. We've gone four days, 32, 33, 34 miles of walking. You did it. And now you only have to do it two more days. (laughs) It's a journey. It's exhausting, but we love it. We love it. We, we, we love it so much, it's the experience that we do together, but it's not easy, and it's something that you just kind of have to just, sometimes you just got to push through. And I was thinking about that this week, as I was thinking about this passage in particular that we're looking at here in 2 Timothy 4, and I was thinking about the way that life can be sometimes. You, you, you start something new, or you have something really cool happen in your life and you're like, and you have this new idea about what your life is going to be like. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and you start and day one, week one, month one, whatever, like you're doing great. And you've got this, this hope, this goal. And then, then, then your legs get sore and your feet get sore and you get tired. Life starts to hit you. And now I'm fighting and bickering and I'm, and, and I'm exhausted. And what I wanted to do, who I was trying to be, this change that I was trying to make, I just get discouraged. I get overwhelmed. And I think that about that in particular with our spiritual lives. We think about like, I want to be a devoted follower of Jesus. I want, I want my spiritual life. I want my pursuit of a relationship with a God who loves me so much. I, I want this. I want this to be a, a top priority in my life. I want it to be a top priority for my family. I know that this is where hope and life is. And I have this idea about so if, if this is what I want to do, if this is the priority that I have, is this, if this is the life that I feel like that God wants me, I want to pursue this relationship with God. And so I make all these changes. I'm, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do small group. I'm going to find a place to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to do all of these things that I need. I'm going I'm to pursue God every morning in, through prayer and the word on my own. And I'm going to live my life the way that God has intended it to. And then life all around you happens. And then things aren't as easy as they were. The initial enthusiasm starts to wane. 
and all of these things start, start to happen, then a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, your life, your family's life, your spiritual life, it, 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 isn't, it isn't where you thought it was. You didn't end up in the place that you thought you would because life ultimately got the best of you. Now, we've been looking at the life of Paul over the last several weeks, and we're finishing that up here today. And it started, it started with this incredible story of this guy who was completely opposed to what, what Jesus, who Jesus was, was, was rounding up and trying to imprison Christians, persecuting them. And he has this incredibly powerful moment where he encounters Jesus Christ. And his life is upended in that day. And he begins to become this very passionate follower of Jesus Christ who is talking with everyone that he can about who, who this Jesus is and how they can have life with him. And initially there was kind of some, it was, it was difficult. He was having a hard time fitting in and, and the, the Jewish people didn't trust, didn't trust him anymore. His, the new Christians that he was connected with, they didn't trust him because of who he used to be. And so he's experiencing all of this, this conflict but then this really kind of, it's actually more of kind of a cool story than anything. Like the people are out there trying to get him and they're, and they're guarding the gates of the city so he can't get out. And they, they put him in this basket and drop him through the window, through the wall so he can escape. It kind of has like a movie plot to it. It's kind of cool. It, it's kind of cool the first time. What about the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time that you're having to run for your life? The first time you're in prison, the second time, the third time you're in prison, the number of times he's been physically tortured. And then Mark, Mark talked about this last week. Just this, this it, was a, it was a constant in his life. Discouragement and obstacles, pain. And then suddenly, what started out with all of this great enthusiasm... We've got this life that's not like, hey, he's going to make this new commitment to God. He's going to get his life right with God. And because God is who God is, everything's going to be smooth and great and work out perfectly for him. And at the end of his life, he's going to be like, that was great. No, it, is, it, was, it was a life of persecution and conflict. And we find ourselves here in 2 Timothy, where we're going to look at today. This is the last letter that Paul wrote. And in this letter, 2 Timothy, basically what, where Paul finds himself in is at the end of all of that. He's in, in prison again, and he is saying this all throughout the letter. This one is different. This is the last one. I know that I'm either going to die here or they're going to kill me soon. This is it for me. And he's reaching out to Timothy, who is kind of his number one protege. Because a lot of the people around him, his friends, his companions, have started to abandon him. They don't want to be associated with him because they might get arrested. Others have just kind of left the faith completely. Others have not only left the faith, but are now actively opposing Paul as, as his enemy. And in the meanwhile, he's in prison and he's looking to Timothy. I've got all these discouraging circumstances around me. All of these things are preventing me from being able to, to do what I want to do. And I see all these people around me fading. And he looks at Timothy and he's like, listen, Timothy, please. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let that happen to you. And in fact, the, 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 the passage, the, the, the book itself, ends with a passionate plea from Paul. I want to see you. 
come to me. Don't allow all of these discouragements that are happening around me that are making all of these people fade away. Don't let that happen to you. And again, near the end of the book, we have this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I think is just a beautiful picture as Paul is here now at the end of his life reflecting on what has been and where he is. This is his, these are his thoughts. This is just kind of this beautiful expression of him reflecting on what his life has been. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So you see it right there from the very beginning. I, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like an offering. I'm like a sacrifice that is being poured out. The time of my departure is near. I'm here at the end. And then to describe kind of what he's feeling, what he's experiencing, he, he describes it like a, with a race metaphor. I can see the finish line from where I am, but guess what? I did it. I finished. I finished. I, 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 made it, I made it all the way. And we'll say it this way. As Paul's reflecting at this kind of really dark time in his life, Paul finished. He finished strong. I mean, this is a deeply emotional letter. You're going to see Paul, if you read this whole thing, he's very sad. He's very sad and discouraged that so many people have fallen away from the faith around him. He's actually pretty angry at times. In fact, he, he is wishing curses on people, which is, you know, that's, that's kind of different. That's kind of different from what Paul normally would say. He's sad. He's angry. He's discouraged. He's tired. But in his moment of reflection at the end, he says, but I, I finished I, I kept the faith. I, I, I stayed strong. I finished. I made it all the way to the end. Even though there were all of these things kind of beating against him, pushing against him, all of these things from friends, from people who oppose him, to just life's circumstances around him, he was experiencing all of this hardship, but he was able to look back on his life and say, I finished strong. And again, I think about that for us. I think all of us at some point in our life had this idea. We had, we had our first encounter with Jesus. We had our first moment where we're like, I want to follow him. And I experienced Jesus for the first time. I experienced the power of his Holy Spirit inside me. And I start to see God kind of changing me. And I'm overcoming all of, the, all of these sins and he's using me in these really cool ways. I'm experiencing Christian community for the first time and, I'm, and I'm, I'm learning about who he is and how I can connect with each other. And I've got these friends that are encouraging me. And then life starts to happen to you. And it may look different from us than it does for Paul, but will we be able to in the end a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, 20, 30, 40 years from now, we'll be able to look back and say that we finished strong. Well, let's just kind of look. We kind of look at this passage, kind of what he's saying here. 
What do we learn? What does he do? And I think the first and the most significant one, he finished strong and he did this because he, because he overcame obstacles. He overcame all of these obstacles. He overcame the idea that his friends were falling away. He overcame this thing where, where people were abandoning him, where people were turning against him. And again, all of the persecution that he was experiencing. He was in jail again, being tortured again. And all of these things are happening to him, but, but he overcame them. He did not allow these things to be an overwhelming discourager to him to keep him from his pursuit of Jesus. And this has really been front of my mind lately over these last few years because as I think about what happened to us in those two years of the pandemic, especially in those first six months, there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, and it felt like for a lot of us that our life just completely shut down. And suddenly all the things that we wanted to do and all the things that we used to do, our schedule, our lives just got completely unmade. And then when we came back, did we ever, did we ever really come back? I think for some of us that was just such an exhausting season where we feel completely and totally overwhelmed that we never, we never fully came back. And, and, then I, and then we look around and I start to think, man, I, I'm, 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 dis, I'm discouraged by life. I'm discouraged by all, all, of this, all, all of this radical change that has happened. But it's not just the pandemic. It's not just the fact that our lives got turned upside down and we're trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I, how do I readjust? The world is on fire. How close have we been in these same three years to World War III? It just seems like the world is just falling apart all around us. And even if you could put those things aside, the pandemic's over and the, and the world war that's happening way over there. We now live in a very angry, hostile culture where it just seems like all we want to do is fight. And there's so much anger and hate just in the world that we live in. And now does not seem like a great time, a great moment in our culture to take a stand for anything, to publicly declare, to be incredibly devoted to anything because as soon as something comes out, like, like am I, what's going to happen to me? And so it's better to just kind of lay low. And so some people choose to fight. Some of us choose to hide. And we live in a world with just way more uncertainty than we could ever experience, when we ever thought we would. Meanwhile, some of us just have a lot of hurts from the past that just kind of keep bubbling up. The more uncertain the world gets, the more our past hurts can kind of rise up. And in a world full of anger and division and, 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 and conflict... I think there are a lot of people that feel frustrated, discouraged, angry, sad by what we would consider the Christians or the church's voice in all of that. 
So we got a lot of people that are just ultimately discouraged just by the idea of church in general, of being connected with God's people, to be associated with that. There are all of these things, exhaustion, conflict, fear, our past. There are all of these things that are keeping you or could keep you from passionately pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ from allowing you to continue to be the one that's like, I'm going to continue to make the commitment to do and be who, what I need to do and who I need to be to be a passionate, devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Paul had a completely different set of circumstances, things that were discouraging to him, things that were making people all around him fall away. But he finished. He overcame those obstacles And one of the ways that he did this is he kept his priorities. I love his language here. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. It was a very active thing that he was doing. He fought. He persevered. He kept going. He kept his faith. Now, some of you are crazy. And like do half marathons, marathons, things like that. And there was a time where I thought I had that kind of on my list back when I had two fully functioning knees. I thought that might be something to be worth trying sometime. Never really got around to it. Um, And now I don't have functioning knees. But I did, the longest race I ever did um, competitively of any kind was a five mile race, which for me at that time was kind of a big deal. And I had this guy, he was helping me, he was training me. And we had this plan, we had this pace that we were going to do for the first four miles. And then that last mile, we were going to just try to try to finish strong. And, you know, they had the people at the every marker. One mile, two miles. You get to the guy, you've been four miles. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, nope. (laughs) And then he looked at me and said, well, then let's just finish. Let's just, let's just do it. And we did. But people talk like that. People who run these long races, they, t- they talk about hitting, hitting the wall. And then when you hit that wall, what happens next? Do you have what it takes to keep going? And again, as I think about kind of all of us coming out of the pandemic and, and, and how weird it was. I mean, I've just spent a lot of time because I mean, there's just a lot of things that have changed just about ways people are connecting at church, people are connecting at small group, the way that they are, just even in their personal lives, pursuing a personal relationship with Jesus through their own personal worship and devotion. I've been trying to make sense about it. I'm kind of, kind of putting my own theories together. But what I imagine then is kind of in that first six months, right, when the world shut down, there's suddenly I, I couldn't do anything anymore for a while. It felt like my life stopped. And for some of us, it provided actually a fairly decent moment of what would my life look like if I were to rest some? What if I just didn't? Instead of having to do all the things, what if I didn't do some things? It had that potential, but I don't think that that's how we viewed it. We did not view it as now's a good opportunity to think about what my life would be like if it slowed down. Because as soon as it was, quote, over, what I think happened to most of us was 
Well, now we've got to go back and do all the things. In fact, maybe we've got to do even more of the things because we've got to make up for lost time. So we're going to be in more activities than we were before. We're going to go on more trips than we were before. We're going to get our kids involved in more things than they were before. And I'm trying to do as much or maybe even more than I was doing before, but not taking into account how stressed and exhausted I am. So now I come back and I, do, I, I get to here, and I'm trying to do more, and you don't have it in you. And I, here's the thing that I fear, that I feel like I'm seeing in so many people. Is that I don't have the capacity to do life at the, at the pace that I feel like I'm supposed to be doing it. So something's got to go. I've got to cut something. And I think too many of us are cutting the things that God has placed in our life to give us life. And so because I'm so busy and life is so draining, I'm cutting the things out of my life that are meant to be the energy and the drive for the life that God has called me to. Like the person that is so busy, they can't go to the gym. I'm so busy, I'm just going to have to eat fast food every night. I'm so busy, I've got to cut something and the things that we cut are the things that give energy. And so then we end up in a perpetual cycle downward. And we're doing that. Some of us are doing this in our spiritual life where I feel overwhelmed. I feel exhausted. Life is hitting me and pounding me in so many different directions. I'm exhausted all of the time. I've got to cut something. And so I'm going to cut my, my serving hours that I, that I serve our church. I serve our community. I'm going to, I'm going to stop going to small group. I'm going to, I'm going to cut back on, on, on my time at church. And again, it's not so much about the activities. I'm not, this is not a church commercial. This is about making sure that you are keeping a priority on the things that are meant to get you through the wall to the finish line. I want my, my time, my personal time with God in prayer and His Word. It needs to be an anchor, not the first thing to go. My connection with, each, uh, with the connection that we have with each other so that I can encourage you to be who God's called you to be. And you can encourage me. When, somebody, when I'm down, you help me. When you're down, I help you. We do that by saying our connection to each other. By hearing God's Word together. By worshiping together. By making these things the, the immovable anchors in my life, my pursuit of a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Then the obstacles, the frustrations, the things in life, they don't have a chance because I am rooted and grounded, because I am keeping the faith. Paul's at the end. He's using a, a present perfect verb. He, 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 was a, he has I have kept the faith. We're still in the middle of it. I am keeping the faith. I am. I am keeping it. I'm going to maintain my connection with God. I'm going to maintain my connection with other people. Because life is going to continue to throw obstacles. And there's going to be every good reason in the world next month, next year, three years from now, five years from now, to feel like, I need to take a break. I feel discouraged. People around me are falling away. I don't like what Christians are saying or doing out there in the world. 
the world is going to continue to be on fire. There's still going to be fighting and brokenness everywhere. But I am keeping the faith. So that one day, I'll be able to say like Paul did, I have kept the faith. So he finished strong because he overcame obstacles. He kept his priorities. Then he says this in verse 8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He overcame obstacles. He kept his priority. And he received his reward. He received it. Now, it's very easy, depending on what kind of church you grew up in or kind of what your theology is like, to have kind of an incomplete theology about this. We say, oh, he's talking about, he's talking about getting to heaven. Well, heaven isn't something you have to work for. Heaven is something that is fully given freely by Jesus Christ. By putting your faith and trust in him, Jesus said, I will prepare a place for you and you will get to be with me. That is not something that Paul earned through his perseverance. That was something that was freely given to him. And it is a great reward. It is a great reward. It is an absolutely beautiful and wonderful thing to, believe, to understand that one day we'll be out of this mess completely. And without sin and without all the death and destruction and chaos, to be able to live freely in the presence of the God of the universe. But he's talking about something different here. Again, he's using race metaphor. I made it to the end, and there's a prize waiting for me. There's a medal, there's a trophy, a crown. There's a crown that's waiting for me. And the location of it is heaven. And I want you to just imagine for a second that the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who you have spent countless time singing worship songs praising him you've spent hours and hours praying to him you've spent hours worshiping serving reading his word learning about him living a life dedicated to following him and then one day and then one day that Jesus looks at you and says, well done. You did it. To be able to see and receive the favor, the crown, the reward that comes from, I, I did it. I laid down my life for you. I pursued you with my whole heart. And I now get to receive the favor of a God who loves me so deeply. The one that I worshipped, having never seen him. The one that I gave generously to. The one I served, the one I worshipped. The one I spent hours begging for his help, his support. And now face to face, from him I can receive a crown. But the way that he says it is, hey, it's not only for me, it's, it's for all of you as well. I just, I honestly think, I think part of that crown, 
part of that reward is the people that, that you get to invest in. That because I made it to the end, because I did not allow discouragement to overwhelm me, because I, because I chose to keep the faith, because I, I kept connected with God, I continued to worship, I continued to love, I continued to pursue. Countless people have been impacted by that. I believe that you, you are part of my crown. That the longer we can just kind of keep doing this in our pursuit of Him, the more and more people in our community, in our world that are going to find life and hope in Jesus Christ is going to be another beautiful jewel on the crown that God has for us. This is not naive any more than the book of 2 Timothy is naive. It is, it is a deeply real book full of real emotions and real descriptions about all the obstacles and things that are pulling and pushing at you to keep you from finishing strong, from hanging in there, from keeping the faith. I know I live it with you every day. There are all sorts of reasons out there to be discouraged. To just put it in neutral. To turn the car off altogether. To walk away from the car. To just get out. To stop the race. But let's make a commitment individually and to each other. That when I get discouraged, you'll be there. When you get discouraged, I'll be there. And we can support and encourage each other to pursue the capital L life that God has called us to. And then one day all together, we will be able to say, we kept the faith. We finished the race. And we await an incredible blessing from the God that we love and serve. Let me pray. God, it is. It is a discouraging world that we live in. So much anger in the world. So much fear and destruction in the world. Chaos, exhaustion, busyness. There are a lot of reasons we could just not. But God, I pray that we would keep the faith. That like Paul, we would finish strong. That we would not allow all of these things to discourage us, to dissuade us from our pursuit of life with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And that we would prioritize our personal connection and our community connection with you. Because you, God, you have called us to do amazing, wonderful things in our community, in our world, to bring hope and life to a place that is desperate for it. And so, God, we just ask that you would be with us. Give us the strength, the courage, and the hope to keep going. 
And as always, we are so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, and the life that we have in him through his death and resurrection that makes all of this possible. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover on our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.